Hello and welcome to the Research Connections podcast, the show that brings current expertise and cutting-edge research and connects it with users in the community. Uh, my name is Kathy Sutherland. I'm a literacy support teacher in the Brandon School Division, and I'm currently working at Cincinnati High School. I'm Joe Stofer. I'm a faculty member here in curriculum and pedagogy at Brandon University. I'm Jackie Kirk, and I'm the Chair of Leadership and Educational Administration, but my connection to this topic is a little bit different. Um, my undergraduate degree, my major is in teaching reading, yeah. and um, I spent several years working in Vancouver at a school that used Orton-Gillingham, and so this is a topic that interests me uh-huh. personally as well as, you know, just being interested in the professional side of it. Oh, I didn't know that. I learn something about you every episode. (laughs) And you are. Oh, I'm Michelle Lamb. I'm the director of BU CARES. CARES is the Center for Aboriginal and Rural Education Studies. Should we get started? Sure. Okay. So tell me some of the characteristics of highly effective reading teachers. Well, I think reading teachers really need to have a, you know, belief that all students can learn at a high level but also have the self-efficacy to know that you can teach all students and they all have the ability to, to learn. I think that's something really important and to be flexible in their thinking and, and in their growth of, uh, and understanding about the reading processes as well. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that having that good understanding of how a reading process develops and in individual ways between students, I think is a really key characteristic of, of highly effective reading teachers because otherwise yes you can be very enthusiastic you can have high standards but if you don't know the, the road you're going down it, it can be misleading or confusing mm-hmm. for, for some students and the the really effective teachers that I've met through the years what what struck me about them is how diagnostic they are like they're they're very purposeful in their teaching of reading they they're when, when you ask them, well, why did you say that? Or why did you do They always have a reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say, well, I saw them do this, or I heard them say this, so I think you know, they're thinking in this way, or I think they're confused about this, or I think they need to know more about dot, dot, dot. And, and that's what's, what's enabling them. One, one of my favorite teachers that I ever met, Susan Hicks in, in Surus, when she was a case study teacher in, in my doctoral study. And when we, I, I had this great opportunity to be in her classroom over several months and watch her teach really masterfully. And at, at one point during an interview, we, we were just kind of debriefing at the end of the, of the formal interview, and she just said, gosh, this job is so tiring because you, you never stop thinking. And mm-hmm. that really resonated with me, that just how much thought she was putting into her teaching. And that's what I think was making it so successful. She always was thinking. I agree about that reflective piece because we need to be reflecting not only on our own teaching practice but also on what students, how that's impacting students and how it's driving students forward in their own learning. I wonder about curiosity as well because I think sometimes um, just going on and looking for all those little pieces of, well, you, you know, the student said that. Mm-hmm. That changed my idea. Mm-hmm. I, I think that constant sort of struggle to learn more about what's happening. And let the students take the lead sometimes too, because I, I think mm-hmm. you can have this beautiful lesson plan charted out and it suddenly goes sideways, <laughs> but, in a, in a, but in a wonderful direction because of a comment a student makes or something that's come up or a connection that the students are drawing that you never thought of. 
as a teacher and I and I think effective teachers recognize those moments and allow those things to unfold because they're purposeful because they're authentic and because they're they're coming from the students so they're in, they're engaging that's right because that's where they want to go so are there ways that teachers can develop those kinds of characteristics well, I think it's being open to change in your mm -hmm. in your practice because you know we have to um, be able to make ch uh, decisions on the fly if a student is coming up with a, mm -hmm. something that they're interested in, and we just have to be flexible in the way that we're teaching. And as long as it's like Joel had mentioned, as long as it's purposeful, and we can see where we're going with it, mm -hmm. um, but we need to be open to what the students are are showing us or telling us. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we we mentioned earlier too this idea that. The professional learning opportunities and the resources that are now available to teachers are, are much more widespread and much more developed and there, and there certainly isn't just one single approach or one goal in theory I think to, to teaching reading so I think teachers are are constantly constructing their own personal model of, of how do we teach literacy and that mm -hmm. that's evolving throughout it throughout a teacher's career mm -hmm. so I think like you're saying it's the teachers that continue to evolve and they continue to learn throughout their practice are, are not only effective teachers now they're becoming more and more effective as they work with more students and as they learn more about their practice and the theory behind their practice they're they're, they're just getting greater and greater so what can we do as a system to make that the norm mm -hmm. good question <laughs> well I, I we we talked about the idea that i think it starts at the university level how are we, we training the, the pre-service teachers? Because I, I feel already we've made great improvement from the time when I trained as a teacher and the preparation I received to what we're, we're trying to provide now to our, to our students. So, you know, it's starting with that, that idea. And, and I, think, I think planting that seed with teachers right from the beginning in their pre-service training that learning never stops that yes, you're, you're, you're going to struggle a bit in your, in your initial years as a teacher, we all do, but, but that there's never a point in your teaching career where you think, wow, I'm, I've made it, or I'm done, I, I, and if you are done, I think it's time to retire. <laughs> really, you know, that's, that, that's, that's a good signal, I think, for a teacher that perhaps it is time. And I think supporting teachers in that uh, process as well, and, and they're you know acknowledging that we don't there is no silver bullet and uh, or golden nugget, whatever you'd like to call it, um, <laughs> in teaching. Although we do as teachers strive for that, but I think um, you know we need to acknowledge that it's okay to be unsure, and that mm -hmm. there are supports, mm -hmm. and you know just having that collaboration mm -hmm. with other teachers and experts in the field. Um. The other side of the fence too, the university, I feel it's hugely important that we keep our feet on the ground mm -hmm. as university faculty and be present in schools. Mm -hmm. Because it, it's very easy to say, mm -hmm. this is how it's done. If, but if you haven't been in a classroom in a long time or spoken with a, a real world teacher, I, I, I don't think that statement has a lot of credibility unless you, you've actually walked through the hallways of school and worked alongside a teacher or worked with a student yourself. Because things are, they're constantly evolving. And, and I think too, we can support teachers not not only with with experts, but but amongst themselves as colleagues. Uh, you know, having the idea that we're working together and we're viewing literacy development in a school not just as a year-to-year -year job that, well, they're they're your problem for the year that you have them in your classroom. That that are we looking at our students as a team? 
and that you know from the time they're they're with us when they enter our our schools in kindergarten to, to the time they leave our building and even beyond that what happens to our students when they leave our building like i think kathy you have a, a great perspective now coming from an early years teaching background and now shifting roles now working in high school i think I, i'd be really love to hear about you know what have you learned about you know kind of the future trajectory of a lot of your students now that you've seen what what do they go into you know or, or if you go back to your to your past life as an elementary teacher what would you wish you had known about the high school mm-hmm. you know in terms of reading and, mm-hmm. and the demands on them what what would you tell your colleagues well, I think, you know, reading in high school and looking, it has really changed, even in the, in the time that I've been there, which has been about eight years. Um, we're much, much more, um, we're much more cognizant that students learn differently and we're not um, perhaps as lockstep as we had been in, in terms of teaching reading and writing. And so we're looking at, uh, there's different programs and we've looked at uh, accessing different resources and materials for students who learn uh, differently and really thinking more about um, their interests and rather than having certain uh, books that we teach at certain grade levels. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we have adopted in many ways some of the great practices that are happening in K-8 to and we're trying to uh, get out of of some of the barriers that we see in the high school level where, you know, we're very uh, very structured in terms of Mm -hmm. time and and, uh, getting credits. So it's kind of sort a of limited by curriculum. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of think outside the box a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it isn't always an easy process to go through, but it's, it is something that we are recognizing and trying to make changes with. So I think there is growth that's going on. Yes. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm encouraged too, because it's not only here in Manitoba, but in, in schools that I've worked with across Canada, I'm hearing more and more middle schools and high school teachers starting to problematize this idea that you're not just a biology teacher, you're a reading teacher. And that, that we're all reading teachers, regardless of your subject area, or your specialty. And that, that's, that's creating some challenges. I think particularly in the high school where a lot of teachers have traditionally viewed themselves as, a, as an expert in their subject area and not really thought about the literacy skills that, that their course requires and how they can support their students in, in developing those literacy skills. One of my colleagues, Nell Duke in, in Michigan State, does a lot of work with comprehension. And one of her big takeaways is the idea that being able to read and comprehend nonfiction is your ticket to success in high school. So, so I've thought about that and, and when I work with middle and high school teachers, so I ask them, so if that's your ticket, who's teaching students then to deal with information texts? Hmm. Because it's probably not the English teacher because they're busy working on literature and, and other forms of, of reading and writing. So, so then it kind of falls back to the content area teachers. And then the next question is, are we equipping those teachers to, to do that kind of teaching? So that I think is opening up a, a, a whole new area right now in our thinking and in, in our teaching in the middle schools and in the high schools and, and some professional learning that, that might need to unfold. As we continue to move yeah. forward. It's definitely a shift in thinking from content area into more literacy-based practices. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, uh, we do read nonfiction differently than we read fiction. And it's something that students need to be explicitly taught. Lots of times when I'm working with students in high school, we assume that they might know how to read a textbook or to look at captions and, and graphics. And they, that's something that they really are not 
do mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So we need to be thinking about the yeah. metacognition piece of it and having students thinking about what they are doing and explaining that to us. Yeah, yeah. and I'm sure our new mystery colleagues would, would make a similar comment too, you know, when you mentioned infographics and, you know, tables and graphs that are presented and all that. Mm-hmm. There's numeracy skills embedded in that type of reading mm-hmm. as well. So, mm-hmm. so if we can look at, you know, how do we spread this notion of, you know, we're all teachers of literacy, we're all teachers of numeracy, and what are the foundational skills and the, the type of critical thinking that, that all students need to do while they're reading, you know, is, is a really interesting area. So how do teacher prep programs need to change to support teachers to have those skills? And, and that's what I wrestle with because, you know, being a new faculty member mm-hmm. here at Brandon University, I, I think part of that is we need to keep in close contact with the field so that we're, we're asking the field, what, what are your expectations of new teachers? Are they living up to those expectations? And if not, where, where are the gaps? That, that we need to, to fill. And and perhaps, you know, we, just like any school here at university, we have a time constraint because, you know, we have a credit hour system and they only have so many courses and, and, and so much time. But when we look at, you know, the redesign of our undergraduate training, you know, that's a great question to ask. You know, mm-hmm. how do we support teachers? Do, do we need to restructure not only the, the course delivery system, but maybe the content of some of those courses? Mm-hmm. Because if we're asking them to, to see themselves as literacy and numeracy teachers across curricula, is our preparation program taking that, that approach? So are those method courses infusing the literacy practices as well? Mm-hmm. So are there barriers to teachers who are wanting to develop these kinds of skills once they're already in the field? What kinds of barriers do you think might exist for them if they are in that situation where they've realized, oh, I'm teaching science, but I also need to be able mm-hmm. to have this whole other skill set. Well, I think with the, the administration, for example, in their, in their school buildings need to, to also have that outlook. So if you have a science teacher that says, oh, I want to go to a professional learning session on reading, support them in that, right? You know, or encourage that, that type of cross-curricular mm-hmm. learning. Or vice versa, if you have a reading clinician that says, I want to go to a science you know, so that they can learn about each other's expertise and subject area and, and draw on each other's strengths. Like that's, that's something I think that needs to be promoted more. But, but also the idea that, you know, the professional learning opportunities, when you look, you know, at a middle years or, or a high school conference, they tend to be very subject area driven, mm-hmm. you know, and then the literacy and, and sometimes even, well, let's stick with literacy. The literacy offerings they tend to be viewed as oh that's for the earlier people or for special ed yeah or Mm -hmm. for special ed yeah well i think definitely time is always a barrier and so if you're a content teacher you're worried about getting through the the content um, for the final exam Mm -hmm. and preparing students for university Mm -hmm. or you know for future careers so i think that's really something that high school teachers find is a constraint for them Mm Uh, in a smaller division, it might be access to professional development mm-hmm. or um, budget constraints as well in a, um, in a smaller school. Sometimes mm-hmm. that can be a barrier. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, too, that we have to be careful when we're asking teachers to take on anything. I think teachers already feel overwhelmed, like there's always a new initiative, there's always a new focus mm-hmm. in a school division. So we have to be careful in you know how we're prioritizing and 
how we're creating space and opportunity for teachers without just making another book that they have to read or another mm -hmm. thing that they have to add into their teaching day, which is already quite full and, and can be overwhelming. I would think instead of, you know, thinking it as something that you're adding to, but you're just in, in, embracing and encompassing within your, your lessons, you're still teaching the content, mm -hmm. but you're also mm -hmm. doing it through um, literacy-based practices. So it's embedded and, and thinking about the metacognition of why they're doing things um, in their reading within the content area. So it's mm -hmm. not, I don't see it really as one or the other, but rather embedded mm -hmm. and together. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great place to, to end. So thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Research Connections podcast. You can visit our website for links to everything that was mentioned in the episode and for more Research Connections content at www.brandonu.ca slash bu-cares. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you can stay up to date with current research that impacts your community. Thank you.